You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Macronet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlepp. Check us out online, Macronet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore Daddy. And I, I swear that music was sped up. Am I going crazy? Or is something wrong with my brain today? That just, it threw me off. I'm like, why is it going, going so, so fast? fast? And I started thinking to myself, and then I started really daydreaming kind of hard there. And I was like, you got to finish the intro. But that kind of blew my mind like why is it so fast i i don't i don't know man maybe my brain is just going at half speed today that would that would solve that riddle so lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff going on the uh combine news and notes are finally coming flying there's just hand over fist as much as you can grab it's out there um i mean this it's it's no different than most days where I have a list of things to talk about, and it seems like a big list, but it's like, all right, but that's just a sentence. I'm going to say it, and then we're going to move on. So I feel like we're going to be able to get through a lot of little tidbits of information. That, however, is not um, its not a promise, because if I go off on a tangent, which I, I'm not feeling... I, you know, I obviously, I preliminarily, as I'm reading these things and writing them in my notes... Usually, I'll rant as I'm doing. I got nothing. It's just kind of like, this is what happened, this is what happened. So I'm actually worried that, you know, I'm going to run out of stuff. But there is a lot either way. Whether this is a long, ranty episode or a very short episode, I don't care. I have a list of things to say. There's a lot of information. And that's what we're going to roll with. But um, it's a lot of good stuff. It, it really is. Pretty, pretty, pretty excited about it. How is it 3.43 already? I tell you what. Everything today is going in fast. Today better fly by. That's all I can say. Today better feel like a four-hour workday at the most. Because I just I just got up. Music is fast. Time is fast. It's the weirdest day of my life. But anyways, thank you guys for uh, joining me. You know what? I, I, I now realized. <laughs> I think I figured out why this show is, is never going to grow beyond what it is. There's a core group of people that know that once you get through it, there's there's substance. New people come along and they're like, what, what is, is this a, it says Packer. Yeah, he's, it says Packers. I don't know. Uh, no, thanks. That's fine. It's like one of those clubs with a secret entrance. Most people walk in, they're like, this place is dumb. And they leave. They don't know there's a hidden door. And you open it and there's a party inside. Speaking of the party inside, make sure you're in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. That's where the party's at. If you want to help the Packernet podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. Number one, tell people about the secret door. Just just invite them in. Just just invite them to the party. You can invite them to the Facebook group if you want. That could be like the gateway drug. You know, they just come into a Packer Packers group and they're like, "Yeah, dude, Packer party." And then one day they realize, "What is the name of this group?" And then they find out there's a Packernet podcast. And then they're they're my best friend for my life. Second way you can do that is leave a rating and review. Uh, about 50% of this audience listens to iTunes. That is the best way to leave a review. For the rest of the 50%, the only one that I'm aware of is Stitcher. You can go to Stitcher.com, find Packernet Podcast, scroll to the bottom. You don't even need to log in or anything like that. Just leave a rating and review. There you go. Bing, bong, boom. It's free. It's simple. It's easy. And the third option, if you really want to be super cool guy, lady patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy you can join in for as little as a dollar a month sometimes i put exclusive content in there i haven't in a while but i do and there's already a pile of stuff in there for you to rummage through also had a recommendation that i do some kind of a i don't know ask me anything about me kind of thing i told him that would be useless nobody cares but he said people would be interested i might just throw that in patreon because i'm not going to do it here because there's too many people that wouldn't care and again always a little afraid of scaring people off I do enough of that without weird shows, but that would be the place that it would probably go down. Again, it's just a buck a month. If you want to support the show, it would be very, very much appreciated. Speaking of, thank you very much to Justin for jumping in yesterday. We are uh, flying past my goal of 300, which is good because it's going to make it much easier to get to our next goal in March, which I think I'm just going to set to uh, 150. 
We're already cutting into that in February, which is a beautiful thing. I don't know what the, what the giveaway is going to be, but uh, I'll work on that. Anyways, I think that's it. Why don't we go ahead and take a little break? A little break? And we'll come back and just dive into all the juicy, juicy goodness. You know what I just thought of? What if this spring we all just went to Arizona? Because it turns out they got this Cactus League spring training thing. I don't know. I never heard about it, but it's, it's I guess it's a thing. But, I mean, it's really nice weather right now. It's Arizona, so it's just awesome as far as the, the landscapes, stuff you can do, cheese crisps, which is probably, if you think about it, people from Wisconsin that retire in a warm weather area who are like, dude, we need some cheese, but they're in Arizona where the weather is a little bit warmer, and so things tend to get crispier. I'm, I'm kind of thinking this through on the fly, but I feel like that's the origins of the cheese crisps are... Uh, wisconsin expats so to speak but anyways we could go down there and watch baseball and eat cheese crisps with ice cream and hot dogs on it doesn't have to be at the same time but relatively in the same few minutes anyways and just have a good time and then when we're done we can go check out a museum maybe check out the breweries like you know four peaks angels trumpet ale house and goldwater brewing company so much stuff we could do Presumably go back to our beautiful resort and take a nap after those tours, but, you know, we don't have to do that. Just might have to take an Uber to the next destination, but, I mean, we could do a lot of fun stuff, though. It's just a thought. If any of this sounds interesting, perhaps what you should do is go to visitarizona.com slash springtraining. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So before we super get into this, um, just wanted to share something with you. There is a former NFL football player who has transitioned from a football player into a musician and uh the the work that he has done has touched me it is both beautiful as well as inspiring the musician is antonio brown and the song is called i rub mayonnaise on my face i'm sorry the the song is called running so i wanted to play you a clip of this beautiful um inspiring and deep amazing song and i hope that it transforms your life uh, in a way that it it is it is done for mine. This is peanut. No, I'm sorry, uh, running by Antonio Brown. I was down to my last year. They ain't even let me get off. Had me sitting like hot sauce. They ain't even let me get off. Life at home, off the radar. Crying for the screens on my guitar. Wow, 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 wow. I'm I'm inspired. That man is gonna change the world i believe i believe that got a bright future so anyways now that we are in the correct state of mind to uh properly figure stuff out and process information maybe pause this and get a tissue wipe the tears from your eyes and um let's see if we can get through this where oh where to begin how about well first of all um one of the cool things is all these players are scheduled to do interviews so you've got for example, day one, you show up, register, whatever, and then they've got some interviews. Day two, you do your measurements, your uh, medicals, more interviews. Day three is media. Now, this is also broken up into groups. So the first group to show up, and they stagger these days as tight ends, quarterbacks, and, and wide receivers, which means tight ends, quarterbacks, and wide receivers were on day three, which means they were on media day. They've got media, they've got official medicals, position coach interviews, and then psych testing. So what I'm getting at is tight end and wide receiver are pretty big for the Green Bay Packers, and they've had interviews, and one of the things the media people like to do, because this is a kind of a big news item, is just flat out ask, hey, have you met with this team yet? If you listen to any of these interviews, half of the questions are, have you met with this team yet? And it's these are all local reporters for the most part. So you got Bills reporters saying, have you met with the Bills? You got Packers guys saying, have you met with the Packers? Point is, 
we get a little bit of an insight into which wide receivers have the Packers met with. Most of these are informal. I've tried to put together a little bit of a list. I'm guessing they've met with even more than this, but this is the best I can come up with. Props to Perry Goldstein from the Packs What She Said podcast for putting together um, the best list I could find. I have a few others that she didn't list, but uh, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, and LaVisca Chenault. She later added in Courtney Davis and Quintez Cephas. I believe Jalen Rager and LaVisca Chenault were official interviews, and Justin Jefferson said that he is scheduled to have an official interview with the Green Bay Packers later. Now, remember, you only get so many official interviews. And back in the days of Ted Thompson, very few, if any, were first-round talent-type guys. You save those interviews to get some uh, clarification on some of the later-round guys. And then I also found out that uh, it sounds like Henry Ruggs also met with the Green Bay Packers. I'm not exactly sure which are formal and informal. And again, remember that the only reason we have this list, as much as it sounds like, wow, they're just meeting with all wide receivers, a lot of these are informal. The Packers are going to informally meet with pretty much everybody. And a lot of people are like, well, what about linebacker? Linebackers haven't done their interviews yet. So it's possible they've met with a ton of linebackers. We just don't know that yet because they haven't done their interviews to have the media go, what about the Packers? That, by the way, won't be Thursday. Today's media day is special teamers, offensive line, and running back. Now, that's going to be interesting. First of all, extremely interesting that the Packers have met with this many, uh, and we'll see which ones are the official interviews again, but it is a very big list of wide receivers and very early round wide receivers, so it does feel... I was starting to think maybe they weren't going to go first round wide receiver, and they might still not. Nothing is official. But it's starting to feel like, because we know how Gutekunst operates as far as throwing resources at things, it really is starting to feel like this could be a first-round thing. And they, they want to make sure, because it's a huge pile, we got to make sure we get the right guy. And that is a really hard thing to do. In fact, let me just do this now. Let me play a clip. This is from Mike Mayock, because the question was asked, why is it so hard to hit on early-round wide receivers? And I actually want to dig into this to see if wide receiver is more difficult than any other position, but I thought it was a pretty insightful um, tidbit about why it's so hard to hit on early round wide receivers. Here is what Mike Mayock had to say. Reason number one is uh, the lack of reason number one is uh, the lack of quality press coverage in college football. Uh, when you've got a grown man trying to keep you from getting off the line of scrimmage that's competent, long, and tough, that's a, diff- that's a different issue, okay? That's number one. Number two is when you are able to get off the line of scrimmage and the picture changes, the coverage changes, you could go from being the third option on the backside to the first option on the front side. And you gotta, you got to filter that on the run without slowing down. So think about it. When you have to slow down and you're thinking, what happens? Physically, you're slower. You're not there. Why do guys not look as quick as they did in college? That's usually the biggest telltale because they're confused. They're not sure where they're going. And then I think number three, it's just how much offense you have to absorb. I've met with some of the, the college wideouts already this year, and you know what they're doing. Half of them are doing this pre-snap. They look over at the sideline and they have their own individual coach telling them what route to run. That John Gruden's head would explode. Right? You better get in there and get in the huddle, and you better learn three positions, not one. And what he's asking you to learn is mind-boggling. So I think they're the three main reasons a rookie wide receiver production isn't where it should be in the NFL. So obviously I thought that was a fantastic bit of insight. And it's also important as to why the interviews are important. When when the, I believe it was Jalen Rager had said that he met with the Packers, he said they broke down a lot of film. Why is it important to do that kind of stuff? I mean, you do that with every position group, but for example, if, if you're one of those guys that just looks to the sideline or maybe you just got, you know, it's it's not a lot of read and react type stuff. And the Green Bay Packers especially have had issues with this, with receivers just not exactly knowing what they're doing. They go out and draft guys that are fast, but they can't run past anybody. Why? Maybe this is a big part of it. We know guys like uh, EQ and MVS had a lot of hard time with the mental processing part of the position. Maybe this has a lot to do with it, which you could go on to say maybe is proof that we should give him more time and maybe it is but that's completely set aside at this point in time because we are officially moving in a new direction and he's got as far as I'm concerned MVS has got one more year to really prove that he's got this down and can do it but but anyways you sit down with a guy like Jalen Rager and you throw the most complicated convoluted stuff and see how much that they can really hold and process because it's a massive jump 
And I think for some positions more than others. You know, college a lot of times is very simplified for the players, especially certain offenses. I think with quarterbacks it's that way. You know, everybody's in shotgun. Everything is, you know, laid out, simple for you. So when you get into some of these positions, and I think wide receiver is part of that evolution. If you want your quarterback to be able to do more complicated stuff based on this, that, or the other, wide receivers have to be right there. I don't know if it's always been that way. I don't think it is. I think this is kind of the way that things are evolving is that everything shifts. In order to beat modern defenses, we have to be able to adjust based on coverages. And like John Gruden said, when you snap the ball and then they shift, the, the wide receiver has to know that the play just changed. And you have to know what that means. And you have to know what your route is. And you have to be able to do that at full speed. And so really being able to grill these guys as hard as you can to make sure that that mental processing portion is really top end. Because like John was say, like like John Gruden just said, I'm sorry, like Mike Mayock just said, you take a guy that is, you know, four two, four three, whatever. But number one, now he's getting pressed up, like he's never really been in college. And then number two, he's got to do something different, and, and so he starts to slow down. So that four three starts to look more like four four, four four five, and you're not where you're supposed to be on time. I mean, you could see why you got guys like MVS or whoever, and I don't mean to keep picking on them, but it's it's a it's a decent example of Aaron Rodgers and certain receivers just not being on the same page. Why? I've asked this question before. It always seems like every time he throws to certain people, Aaron Rodgers throws a bad ball, but yet with other receivers, it's always a good ball. Why is it never a bad throw to Devontae, but always a bad throw to MVS, or always a bad throw to Danny Vitale, for example? Maybe it's because there's so much fluctuation in the speed. Because depending on if it's just a simple go route and he doesn't get much coverage and and now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what the speed is. But if it's a little bit more of a complex route and he's getting pushed off his route and things change, it's hard to adjust for varying degrees, massive varying degrees in speed. And so finding a wide receiver that that is going to be consistent, like Devontae is consistent. You know what he's going to do, where he's going to be, what he's supposed to do. Like, Like I've talked about before, even a slight variation in the angle of a route changes things drastically if you take a route just a little bit more flat and you know how angles work right that the the longer you go out at a different angle the, the wider the gap gets so if you come out of your cut and Aaron Rodgers throws it and you you go just a little bit more flat by the time you get to the middle of the field we could be talking about a 5 10 15 yard difference from where you are compared to where you're supposed to be and then we see an overthrown ball and think Aaron Rodgers has lost his touch there's a lot of nuance and mental processing with being a wide receiver beyond what we see. What I'm watching when I want to see if I like these guys is how fast they are, what, how good they are at route running, what is their ability to separate, what is their speed. That's all great, but it all goes out the window if you're not a technician and if you're not just a rocket scientist on the fly. You've, you've got to have a mind meld with your quarterback, and, and that's a, a very high especially with certain I mean certain offenses I'm sure are dumbed down especially with younger quarterbacks that are still just trying to get into things or if you look the 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 Cardinals for example I, I would assume are a team much more close to the college game that is much more simplified we've got a lot of wide receivers and you've got a quarterback that's dealing with five wide you're probably not going to have a lot of adjustments on the fly because the quarterback being able to adjust five wide receiver routes no nah, dude this is what it is. Your job is to see the coverage and know which wide receiver to go to, meaning the wide receiver's got one route and that's it. I mean, if he makes an adjustment at the line, you got to know what that means. But it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and again, if you're the Green Bay Packers and you're determined to get a wide receiver in the first round, the interviews become unbelievably important. Because it, it, like, like all the guys have talked about already, including Brian Gutekunst, the film has already spoken for itself. So they don't care so much about their 40 time. They don't care so much about their three cone. They might have to make some tweaks or go back and watch a little bit of something in the film. But they've got these guys ranked. They know who they like and how much they like them. They know which guys they'd be willing to trade up for. The question is now, in these interviews, and they've got to hammer it out, I think they get like 15 minutes with these, or no, I think it got up to 18 minutes. I think they get less interviews for a few more minutes. But they have got to hammer these guys as hard as they can to make sure, because this is it. This is your one chance to determine whether this guy is going to be able to handle the mental part of this game, which, as Mayock laid out, is miles ahead of, of what college programs are doing. Which is why, and again, I don't think it's just wide receiver. I think this is true for a lot of positions. Maybe not all of them. You know, running back maybe isn't that way, which is probably why they feel comfortable letting that go. Offensive line maybe isn't quite that way, although some places do do things differently. 
I don't know that it's so much a mental thing in terms of can you handle what we do. And then if you find a guy that does what you do, and you can find film of him doing what you do, like running back, like we run outside zone, right? They primarily like to run inside as opposed to outside, but occasionally they run outside and we can watch them do it and see how well they do with that. So we got a pretty good idea that when you do it, you do a pretty good job. Which again, if we think about, okay, what, what do we know about offensive tackles? Well, when I did my little breakdown, generally the NFL is very, very good at identifying the best offensive tackles. If you look at the best offensive tackles in the league, almost all of them were first-round picks. Most of them were top 10 picks, meaning the NFL does a very good job of saying these are the very, very, very good tackles. So all the really good tackles are gone in the first round. Very few fall beyond that because they just don't miss very often on tackles. Again, occasionally there's a David Bakhtiari. It's the ones that, that you know, there's a lot of misses in the first round. Like they said, like wide receiver. Those are the ones that are probably more of a mental thing. You know, linebacker is another one. Very, very mental. Like I've talked about a thousand times, 40 speed is, is I mean, if I were to put a percentage on it, it's no more than 40% of the actual speed on the field. When I highlighted a, a play in the Facebook group, I think it was, for Patrick Queen and why I liked him so much, it was it was less to do with how fast he ran to the sideline and more to do with how quickly he decided to start running to the sideline. Because, again, the difference between 4-4, four, 4-3, four, 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 is we're, we're talking about a tenth of a second. Over the course of 40 yards, That I mean... Really now, if we talk about 10 yards to get from where you are to where the running back is, we're, we're talking about like two hundredths of a second. The biggest thing, though, is processing. Because you can easily see how one guy, and, and again, in this example with Patrick Queen, when the ball was snapped, he was sprinting to the sideline. If you get a guy that kind of stands there for a second, forget two hundredths of a second. You can make up two seconds worth of time, which in a game of, of, of inches, as they say, or, or seconds or fractions of a second, massively important. A lot of the speed, as Mike Mayock said about wide receiver, which is true about a lot of other positions, I think there's a lot more to do with speed in terms of mental processing that is not talked about nearly as much as there is to do with 40 times straight line speed. Now, obviously, you can't have Henry Ruggs type speed because you're smart, right? There's an upper limit to a lot of guys, and that's why people like Henry Ruggs, because if the mental processing part is there, this guy is unstoppable. But at the end of the day, you'd rather have a guy that is quick, which in this draft class, there's a lot of fast wide receivers, which is awesome. You got a lot of guys that are going to run in the 4-2s, 4-3s, early 4-4s at the latest, which again, as some people have said, once you cross that four three five threshold you're blazing fast and there, there's going to be a, probably a handful of those guys in this draft class the question is the real question you probably take rather take a four three nine over a four three four that's you know you you're concerned about his mental processing but again there's there's going to be a lot of guys that the green bay packers are looking at saying this guy can do it and they've already said that i think it was gutekunst i, I believe who made some kind of a comment to the effect that there's a lot of wide receivers here that we believe can come in and can, can play year one, day one, which is exactly what the Packers need. So again, the interviews are massively important, and it's probably why there's going to be a lot of sit-downs with the wide receivers, because it is so important, and because there's a lot of wide receivers, and they want to make sure they get the right one. Especially when you're talking about, you know, again, we could potentially trade up, we could stay, we could trade back, we could wait until round two, but we've got to get this right. And if we're going to expend a first-round pick... A lot of teams are going to take wide receivers in the first round. I've seen estimates of 15 wide receivers taken in the first two rounds, six, seven, eight going in the first round. A lot of those wide receivers are not going to be very good. And it's similar to, you know, again, when I talked about the Marshawn Lattimore cornerback year, a lot of good cornerbacks, Marlon Humphrey, Marshawn Lattimore, a lot of really bad cornerback, and then to be seen like the Kevin King. You just don't want to be one of the guys that also takes a cornerback in a very heavy cornerback year and gets a bad one. Or like Rashawn Gary in a very heavy pass rush class. Again, it's it's still wait and see, but the Packers are not... I think the, what the Packers do a lot is take what's given to them. What Whatever the, the draft is offering you is what the Packers are going to take. The draft is offering a lot of wide receivers, and uh, I think the Packers are not necessarily going to shy away from that. They're going to take advantage of one of the deepest and strongest wide receiver classes in a very long time. But again, get it right. Because as much as we look at it and go, dude, Ruggs is going to be so good. Chenault is going to be so good. Rager is going to be so good. 
a lot of these guys are going to be really bad. We got to make sure that we're not the ones getting one of the bad ones. And again, every team has watched the tape. Every team probably has very similar rankings of of where they have guys. It's really just a question of hammering out the details. And, and again, the medicals and the interviews are the only last two pieces remaining. Um, in other news, not uh, what is going on here? Hopefully the audio is not messed up for you, but I'm not changing it. At this point, we're going strong. Actually, let's wait on that and continue on with the Packers stuff. A couple other little tidbits from the uh, interviews with Gutekunst and whatnot. Uh, first of all, some of the biggest things that were brought up were his Gutekunst thoughts on linebacker and then the uh, Lafleur and Gutekunst thoughts on Jay Sternberger. I'll be honest, I am a little bit worried. I know it's technically, quote-unquote, coach speak, what he said about Oren Burks. The quote was, I feel really good about Oren. He's got to stay healthy, but I think he has all the talent in the world to be a productive player for us. Just knowing how the Packers operate, I'm sure they're going to get a linebacker and add a linebacker, but again, just trying to read between the lines and whatnot, and we'll see what happens if there's a flurry of guys that, that met with the Packers and how many of these are official. I mean, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised if they don't even bother talking to uh, Murray or Queen or any of these other relatively earlier guys. And look, if they go wide receiver one and then linebacker two, then that's they put a lot of resources into it, no question. I got to change this because I think this is recording only in mono and I'm really upset about that and I apologize. Is that better? So what happens when I get cute with these little audio clips, I get confused on where I'm supposed to put the audio and everything gets messed up. Hopefully you didn't notice anything. But the, the point is, when asked about wide receiver, what does he say? They've, they've got to address it. And he's also been very straightforward about, I mean, maybe not exactly straightforward, but it's been pretty clear kind of in read between the lines sense that Blake Martinez is gone. So I don't actually think that this is 100% coach speak. I think that they genuinely do believe in Oren Burks, and, and, and that's good to be confident in your picks. They, they believe that he's a good player, he's been injured, all this stuff. But the question is, how much do they believe in him? It's hard to believe that they believe too much in him, because even when he's healthy, he can't get on the field in front of the guys that are in front of him who they have to pick up off of, you know, waiver wires just floating out there waiting for someone to call. But it's, it's really just a question of, are they urgently looking at possibly a first, probably a second good chance it's a third kind of thing or are they saying let's just wait we can do third fourth maybe fifth no problem and not have to worry about it kind of a thing i don't know what the urgency is but i haven't really gotten a sense of urgency which seems ridiculous and i have to believe there is and i i, I do believe that they see that there is i'm just saying i don't see that urgency anywhere i'm seeing them saying you know we're, we're kind of in a state of flux we're trying to move stuff around we're trying to figure it out Blake's probably gone, but Oren is a really good football player, and we like the guys, and blah, 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 blah. Again, I hope that they're taking this more seriously. I'm just, I'm trying to get a sense. I'm trying to hear that one little line or that one little thing that says, look, we know that this is important, and we got to do better. We got to fix what happened with the 49ers. We got to find a, a guy that can do this and this and this, but I just don't know. I don't know that I've heard that little nugget yet, and this is kind of pulling in the other direction where and and again they they drafted him and they drafted him for a reason because they really like Oren Burke and so you could see how these guys who let's face it everybody in this industry's got to have an ego you have to have pride in yourself and what in your abilities to a fault otherwise what is the point of you being here if you're not in there banging the table for your guy then then you're not a very good GM or scout or whatever but you also have to have that element of humility and I'm not saying Gutekunst doesn't but I'm hoping that there's a little bit inside of Gutekunst and the rest of the staff who looks at Oren Burks and looks at the current linebacker situation and says, look, this is a nightmare. This is not great. And although there's a chance for Oren, similar to what we're saying about wide receiver, there's a chance MVS becomes a great wide receiver or Equinemius, who didn't get a chance. I, Equinemius was my favorite of the group. He didn't play all last year. He could end up stepping up to be our number two or number three in 2020. I don't think he will, but it's po- any any of these things are possible. Kingsley Kiki could be better than than uh, than Kenny Clark next year. There's a point zero zero one percent chance that happens, but it could happen. We could draft the next Pat Mahomes in the first round this year. You never know, but you kind of know, and that's how I feel about linebacker. You never know, but I feel like we kind of know, and we should really have a sense of urgency here again i'm fine with waiting till the second round again second round money round for linebackers go look at all the best linebackers almost every single one of them is a second round pick 
Now, I think the only truly elite, elite linebackers go in the first round, but the miss rate on linebackers in the first round is staggering, right? The, the Ray Lewis's, the Luke Keekleys, you're only going to get these guys probably early first round because these are the really good football players who have the really unique, freakish talent that is never going to make it to the second round. So if you want that guy, you're going to have to get him in the first round. But again, the miss rate on those guys is, is unbelievable. And the second round is just, that's just where you pluck them off one by one. So again, if we go wide receiver and linebacker after that, I'm good to go. Does that solve all of our problems? No. Do I care about solving every single problem on planet Earth? Not really. Taking one of these elite wide receivers and one of the deepest wide receiver classes and then a really good group of linebackers who's going to be available in the second round in the best round to take linebackers, I just feel like that makes good sense. And also, the Packers just never seem to want to follow the protocol. They do it. We, we know when they draft a wide receiver early, they do, they do a great job, especially the second round. They just refuse to do it. So I trust in their, their ability to do it, but I think they trust in their ability too much. We'll be able to find someone in the fifth round. We'll get that little nugget. All right, second round is where you get linebackers. It's a great round. You know what? We'll find them in the fourth. Eh, eh, eh. No, you won't. Or we'll, we'll take a guy in the third who most people felt like was a fourth round pick, Oren Burks. And it'll be good enough. You know what? It's not. Sometimes it is. But again, that little dose of humility that says, look, I'm really good at my job. But at the same time, there's there's an upper limit to how much we can actually know. And after that, we just have to rely on, on in a sense, numbers. We got to rely on just playing to the strength of what we know generally happens in the draft. Playing the odds a little bit. Right? It's, it's like we know you can't wait on a quarterback. If you want a franchise quarterback, you take him in the first round. Yes, there's an occasional Russell Wilson, but if you believe that you're such a freakish GM that you're just going to be able to find that nugget, which, by the way, the nugget just doesn't exist. It doesn't matter how good of a GM you are. If all the good quarterbacks are gone, how are you going to find him in the third round? Same with linebacker. If all the good linebackers are gone by the second round, tell me how you're going to find him in the fourth round. When they literally don't even exist anymore. It's, 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 and again, I'm not trying to indict the Packers. I'm just talking about an, an arrogance that does exist within the NFL that I'm hoping doesn't super exist with Green Bay, although you always need a little element of that. There, there should be pride in what you do. Brian Gutekunst was hired for a reason because he is very good at this. The other element of the arrogance is believing too much in your coaches. He's very raw. But we got the coaches that can coach this guy up. We, we got the guys that can take those tools and really craft something great. Which is why I've, I've always said with the Packers, I'm tired of drafting spark scores. I'm tired of drafting 40 times in three cones. I want to start drafting guys that are polished already. And I understand the thought process. Look, w- w- they're right now at a six. But with their skill level, if, we can, if this guy reaches his full potential, he's a ten. And we believe that we have the guys that can really coach him up. And that's great, and I love it, and I love the energy. But at some point, just take the the eight that's just sitting there, right? I don't want to waste a second-round pick on an eight when we can wait until the fourth round and find a six with ten upside. Take the eight. Just just, just take it. Especially, like I, like I said, with, with linebacker. Wide receiver, I feel like there's maybe some flexibility to kind of wait until the second linebacker we have no other recourse we have no linebackers we just don't we don't have a Devonte adams at linebacker that's like well at least we got this guy i mean we we kind of do but we mostly just don't what we have is mvs by the name of oren burks a guy that is really fast and showed flashes of things and again what did i put him officially on my list here i didn't so i don't remember where i put him but i i want to say that oren burks was like down near the bottom. So I, I broke it into four tiers for my linebackers out of 19 linebackers, or it looks like 18, I guess. I don't know what happened to the other two. But I took uh, Ty Summers and Oren Burks. I wish I had saved it, but I want to say they were all like in the third tier. Maybe they were in the second tier way at the bottom, like Oren Burks. Not that my evaluation super matters, but again, it's just a matter of, okay, well, maybe I'm overrating guys like Troy Dye and Malik Harrison, who I really like. Maybe this is what Oren Burks looked like. Nope, it's not. Not in my opinion. I think a comp for Oren Burks would be Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. And I have him as my 14th linebacker out of 18. 
But again, he's got all the tools. He fits perfectly with what you're looking for. And I'll tell you right now, if the Packers draft Jordan Brooks in the fourth round, I'm going to flip out. But that also means, in my opinion, I have got 13 guys that I believe are better than what I think Oren Burks was. Now, Joe Batchy and Evan Weaver are just tackling machines. And so if we're looking for a guy that can really cover, I got Willie Gay, who's low on this list, but still probably higher. Shaquille Quarterman, who I don't think many people really like, but I did. He was 18th overall on my my big board, which is you know not mine. It's the aggregation of everybody else's. I put him at 10. David Woodward, who I think is fantastic in coverage at 6'2", 235 but plays for Utah State, so there's that. Akeem Davis-Gaither, who is really, really talented. A lot of people like him. I don't think I like him quite as much as a lot of other people, but I do like him, and I think he'd be an upgrade over Burks. Cam Brown out of Penn State. He's number 16 on my board. I got him 7. I like Cam Brown. Uh, Marcus Bailey out of Purdue. And then Malik Harrison and Troy Dye, I think, are are lock second-round picks if they don't slip into the first, which is pretty unlikely, but it's possible. Obviously, we're very early in the process. But Malik Harrison, 6'3", 246. He's a big dude. It really is just a matter of can the guy cover, and if he can, I mean, he's he's going to be a very good football player, and then Troy Dye, obviously the guy can cover. Really just kind of scary about can he play the run. It looks like he can't. I mean, he's a tiny little dude. Go watch him. 6'4", 225 pounds. His arms look like toothpicks, but I mean, when he has to post up and just stonewall a, a, an offensive lineman, he actually does it, which is shocking. But, I mean, if, 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 if he can hold up against the run, he's going to be a very good football player. And, of course, Kenneth Murray, Patrick, Queen. Not even going to mention Isaiah Simmons because he's going to be gone and he's a safety. I don't know why I don't care for him. I just I just don't. He's going to be a freak. I mean, he's just one of those guys that athletically, because he, he is. He's just an absolute freak. But I, I point is, there's going to be a lot of upgrades, and I really hope the Packers take it seriously. Even if you want to wait until the third round, fine. I think it might be deep enough maybe. Again, we don't pick until late in the third, so a lot of these guys are going to be gone. Second round, I think, I don't even know if we can wait till the third. Troy Dye, Malik Harrison, Akeem Davis-Gaither, those guys are gone in the third round for sure. I don't know, whatever. Point is, I'm hopeful that uh, they, they take this thing much more seriously. It's obviously going to be addressed, but when it gets addressed is, is the question. Um, there was also talk about Jace. Now, it's funny because if you listen to um, LaFleur compared to Gutekunst, it sounds a lot different. Matt LaFleur makes it sound like this guy's going to be great. Brian Gutekunst definitely sounded like he's he's unsure, which is the right way to be. But Gutekunst definitely sounded more like we have expectations and he needs to rise up and meet those expectations. And so we'll see what the situation is also with tight end. I mean, that's another option. Do we want to wait on Jace? Because the fact of the matter is, I mean, if he takes a step... Again, he's got that high ceiling and that upside, but if he does not take a step, we are in a very serious predicament at tight end. And again, that is a big, big position. And you know it's a big position because look at the best tight ends in football and tell and, and ask the question, how important are those players? I mean, legitimately, you look at, for example, which one scares you more, George Kittle or Julio Jones? Honest question. I know Julio Jones is a bigger, better athlete. That's not the question. Which one scares you in terms of being able to destroy your defense more? I think the honest answer, and it's true for most teams, is Kittle. Not necessarily because Kittle's a better player, because he's not, in terms of just being a raw athlete. Julio Jones is a freak. Kittle is not necessarily a freak. He's just, he's a good athlete. He's a great tight end. The issue is the matchup. The difference between Julio Jones going up against a number one corner and probably a safety because he's going to get double teamed, and George Kittle going up against a linebacker or corner or safety, whoever you try to put up against him, is a mismatch because he's way too fast to be covered by linebackers. He's way too strong to be covered by a cornerback or a safety. And so there's almost a, I mean, the reason we have to find these specific linebackers, these safety linebacker hybrids, the reason that we everybody's trying to find Isaiah Simmons is because of the George Kittles. So the Packers' ability to find a guy like that is massive. And I'm not going to do it today. I want to elaborate more on the Hurst thing and why I'm, I'm somewhat in favor of it. We don't exactly have time today, but I'm very excited to elaborate on that because tight end is a very, very important position. And I understand why it's not necessarily so important to take him in the first because that's another position when we look at it. I mean, Kittle was a fifth-round draft pick. Kelsey, I think, was a third-round draft pick. So it's not so much that you better take him in the first round if you want a good one. That's not true. This is another position that apparently is extremely hard to figure out, hard to figure out, and you find him all throughout the draft. But 
being able to find one is extremely important. And, and I guess I'll just let you in on half of it because I've already halfway there to telling you. This is why I'm somewhat in favor of getting one in free agency or through a trade. Because it's very hard to find one. It's very important to have one. And when one is just sitting there, you better invest the resources to go get them. That's just my opinion. Tight end is not a dime a dozen position. Running back, yeah, you don't need to go into free agency and get a running back. If you want to wait until the fourth round to get one, you'll get a decent enough running back in the fourth round. Might not be Le'Veon Bell. Might not be Derrick Henry or whoever the, the hot running back is this year, which, by the way, changes every year, which is why you don't invest a lot of money in running back. But you can find a good running back. Speaking of running back, the Packers did say, very quickly, they're looking to add a third running back to add to the rotation. Now, this, you know, everyone's first thought, because we get excited about stuff, is, ooh, maybe they get a really early round running back. Maybe they will. I don't think so. Again, I know we can get them later. I, I just started doing running backs, and I started at 20 and worked my way up the way that I like to do that. And I really like a lot of these guys. And I'm confident that there's going to be a third guy in the rotation. And if we are looking just legitimately at a third-round rotational guy, it's possible maybe they go get some of uh, you know these smaller guys that maybe aren't going to be three-down backs like a J.J. Taylor, who's like a Darren Sproul. Right? There's a lot of fast, shifty receiver-type guys. Uh, Darrington Evans out of App State, 5'11", 185. J.J. Taylor is 5'6", 185. Darius Anderson out of TCU is 5'11", 195. He's the lowest... He is my third lowest running back so far, and I really like Darius Anderson out of TCU. I mean, it's, I have a no thanks column, a maybe column, a like column, and a love column. It's The, the columns are all, all different. It's actually, they're not even columns, they're rows, but we'll call them tiers. I keep changing them for every position. I've only got one no, one maybe. I've got four that I like, and I've got one that I love, and I'm just starting at the bottom. So I, again, the question is, and you can get a J.J. Taylor later because he's not a three down back, but... The question is, will the Packers break from, you know, the orthodoxy of what they normally do, which is, we want three-down guys. I mean, that was Mike McCarthy all the time. You better be able to be a four-down guy, meaning three downs and special teams, although also literally fourth down as well. The one reason you wouldn't, outside of that's just not how we like to do things and we want to make sure if, if we have injuries, we got somebody there, would be the idea of, hey, look, we've got Aaron Jones coming up for a contract and we want to make sure that we're rotating. And if that's the case, then you start to look at not only do we need a three down back, but maybe we do look a little bit earlier. Maybe third round, we start looking at it. Maybe second round, if some one of these freakish guys does fall, which in my last mock draft, none of the running backs went in the first round and they started to slide in the second round. And then you started to have a feeding frenzy because you got first round talent running backs that are slipping because it's just not that big of a priority. And you got teams even trading up to get these guys. So I don't know. I mean, the, the draft is crazy, man. Anything can happen. And I'm not saying I think the Packers should. I'm just saying there there is a scenario in which maybe a, a running back that is a, I wouldn't say first-round value necessarily, but a, a, a guy that is by far the best talent in the draft that is available by the time the Packers are picking happens to be a running back, and they just follow best player available and take the running back. It's not impossible is all I'm saying. Anyways, why don't we quickly take a break? I want to talk about one other thing. Um, got a ton to talk about, but... Um, Touch on one more thing, and then we'll get out of here. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So big news uh, yesterday and, and somewhat breaking this morning is the CBA details. First of all, it was announced uh, yesterday that there was going to be a meeting. There was the advisory committee, I think it was, which is, I think, 11 players who... <sighs> so it sounded like this was a done deal. And then you had players kind of come together on what they thought was going to be a surefire, yes, they were going to have the votes, and it ended up being a no vote. They had a quick emergency meeting, 
and apparently the meeting went well for the owners, and they passed the vote, and now it's going to pass along to, I believe, the full body. There was some talk about a secondary body that was a larger body of like 53 or so, I don't know, however many guys, before it passed along, but this might be officially just going on to the full body, meaning all the players, and they need a simple majority of 50%. There's also some talk about, depending on how it passed, it may need a higher percentage, but I really doubt that that's what they're doing. I think this is just going to be a 50% vote, and I'm very confident that it's going to pass. I think most of the real hardliners, again, are the veterans who have the money so that they can stand on moral principle, whereas a lot of these guys who just need the money, who want the opportunities, who would like that extra $250,000 game check or whatever it ends up being for them, who want the expanded rosters so that they have a better opportunity to make teams, a lot of these guys are absolutely going to vote for this because it means more money. And by the way, the percentage of revenue that is agreed upon by these evil, horrible, greedy, billionaire owners was to give 40 48% of the revenue to the player. That is the highest in any American sport. 48% of all the money that comes in goes to the player. And again, that does not mean 52% goes into the owner's pockets. They have to pay for every single bill with that money. We're talking total revenue. So about half of it is going to the player. Then they have to pay for all the bills and all the staff. And again, some of these teams are making a lot more money than others. Some of these teams are not exactly banking tons of money. And when half of your money is going to... Well, I I think that's part of the reason some of the owners didn't even like this. Again, you've got owners that are just making money hand over fist that are like, yeah, give them half. Then you got owners that are struggling a bit that are like, dude, can't afford that. But anyways, 48%, which is a massive infusion of cash to the players, and it could even go higher up to 48.5% depending on the media rights, which, by the way, the fact that this was held out was, was terrible. It's terrible for the players, although they think they're doing something great because, you know, solidarity and we're going to shut it. The bottom line is if this didn't get done, the TV revenue was going to be a lot lower and it might already be because now if this passes, which I think it will, they're going to have to go to the television stations and try to get a an agreement based on how much, you know, how much they can charge. And the problem is the current climate right now with, with the coronavirus scare and everything else and the stock market's plummeting means these television companies are taking a massive financial hit and their ability to say, sure, here's several billion dollars for TV right, that just went down the drain a little bit. So they might already be in a pinch because this TV deal should have been done already. But, you know, you got Richard Sherman who's going to make a, take a, a hard stance. And by the way, a lot of this had to do with the fact that some of these teams were in the playoffs and aren't really up to speed on the fact that most players like this. So they come in, they come kicking the door like, what's up, guys? And they're like, hey, we're going to do 17 games. And they're like, no, we're not. And then they you know, stand up and fight the power and all this nonsense. And then they sit down and actually hear what's going on and find out most of the players support this. And this is massively beneficial to the players. And they're like, oh, my bad. Oh, sure. Yeah, let's pass this along. So now that they've finally agreed to this, we're talking about $5 billion new dollars to the players. $5 billion extra going to players. So yeah, this is getting passed. Especially with the fact that if this doesn't get done, the new TV deals, even if, if you're saying, because the other problem is the owners are saying if you're not doing this we're pulling it we're not playing this game anymore and the owners will happily sit on their hands and say you will accept this or nothing and in fact they're saying the next deal is going to be much less the reason that you have to believe that is that it has to be less because if they're negotiating based on next year's ratings and reviews it's going to be lower why because we have an election this year which means the television viewership is expected to be down for the NFL. Last year's viewership was incredible. They want to negotiate based on last year's viewership. If they can't do that, then they're going to get less money from television, which means everybody gets less money. The NFL gets less money, the teams get less money, the players get less money. This should have been agreed upon a long time ago. And again, I understand being upset about the 17th game. I get that, but this this really always was a no-brainer. This has to get done. Is it unfair they're they're cramming in the 17th game? Maybe. But th- this was this just had to get done. I'm sorry. Sign it. So anyways, that's done. The 17th game is going to go no earlier than 2021, which of course is next year. So maybe next year. I'm guessing it will be next year. I think the no earlier than 2021 is to simply pacify that it won't be this year and might not be next year. But I think as soon as this gets signed, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure nine out of the 10 years they get an additional game worth of revenue and get to push back the Super Bowl a week and all this other extra stuff that's being implemented 
means more revenue quicker. Because what in the world are we waiting for? The, the owners are not going to wait. They're going to push for this to get done. So I think it'll be 2021. Because again, once this gets signed, it's out of the players' hands. And it's up to the owners and the league to negotiate this and get this figured out. And more money means as soon as we can get this done, let's get it done. And of course, the earliest will be 2021. It'll be top priority. And it does cap the season at 17 uh, games throughout the 10-year deal, meaning they can't bump it to 18 within this 10 years. Will they try after? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I'm, I'm far from worried about 10 years from now. So anyways, it uh, looks like we dodged a bullet because I'm almost positive this is going to get signed by the vast majority of players because, again, the hardliners are the ones at the top. And even that was 6-5, to five, meaning five of the, the veterans had agreed to it. Again, I know Richard Sherman was against it. Russell Okung was against it. I think Aaron Rodgers was against it. Aaron Rodgers is, is very much on that side of things in terms of having sort of that us-versus-them mentality that a lot of players have, which is, I mean, somewhat understandable, right? This is a multi-billion dollar business in which they eat up and chew chew and spit out players like they're nothing pretty regularly. And so for the players to kind of view it in that same respect and say, okay, you're going to worry about you, we're going to worry about us, it makes sense. I get it. I'm not trashing the guy. But the point is, I think you're going to find those upper-end guys, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Richard Sherman. Those are the guys that are going to be most against this. And when you get most of those guys to agree to it, I don't know what the official vote was, but you got at least six out of 11 saying, yes, let's go ahead. There's no chance the guy that's struggling to even make a roster is going to say, nah, I'm going to hold out, man. No, he's not. This is getting passed with flying colors, if that makes sense, which it doesn't. But anyways, I got to cut it off there. Plenty more to talk about tomorrow, and I'm sure there's going to be even more, so i got to rant a little less so I can get through more. Otherwise, I'm going to have a massive backlog of things to talk about. But uh, thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, and bye bye